I want to give just a quick uh, background and context here of what's happening in John chapter 8. The Pharisees and Sadducees are looking for ways to trap up Jesus. They've already conspired to find a way to take him down. And the plot involved here is that they're going to bring a woman who is caught in an act, specifically adultery, but there were other acts that were punishable by death in the Old Testament law, the law of Moses. However, in this time, under the Roman rule, the uh, Jews were not allowed to carry out their own capital punishment. So it had to go through Rome. Rome had to make the determination, had to go through their courts. Just like Jesus's mock trial, nonetheless, it was a trial in front of Roman authorities who had the authority to condemn him to death. So Jesus, along with anybody else of this time, couldn't just decide that somebody could be guilty of capital punishment and say, let's do this. The Pharisees and Sadducees knew that. And so I want you to get the picture with me because it's a pretty ruthless picture. Notice that Jesus is in church. It'd be like us gathering here. And he's teaching. And the doors bust open and in come this mob of men carrying a woman, dragging her by the arm. They throw her down, take the stage and say, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. Moses says we should stone her. What do you say? If Jesus says, do what Moses says, they run to Rome and say, here, we have a guy trying to cause insurrection. If Jesus says, no, don't do it, then they say, well, here's somebody who doesn't believe the word of God. This is what's happening here. I want you to understand the context of it. What I want us to do is look at it this morning from the perspective of some things that all of us are vulnerable to, even as Christians, that we need to guard our hearts against this morning. The story ends in an incredible way. I read all the way through it, so there's no wondering what happens. We read what happens, but before we get there, I want us to look together at some warnings, some, some things that all of us are vulnerable to that we can see from our text this morning. Number one, I want you to note that we are all vulnerable to traps, all of us. First of all, let's deal with the woman. Secondly, we'll deal with all the men that walked in carrying stones. You know, I I wonder, like, how did they select this woman? One of the things about the story that's always bothered me a lot is like, so where's the man? He was part of the scheme. They didn't bring both of them. And it's incredibly obvious what we had was a setup. If you've ever heard me preach at least twice, you know that I preach against sin, all sin. You know that I never justify sin. And so if you've never heard me before, be cautious not to misunderstand what I'm about to say here, because I am not justifying this woman's actions. They were wrong. She was guilty of sin. Her choices were her choices. But please hear me out. How'd they pick this woman? How'd they select her? 
Why'd they know that if they pushed the right buttons, did the right thing, set the right trap, that she would fall? She was set up. She was trapped. 20 years of being a pastor and 20 years of doing counseling, you know, one of the things that I've learned through it all is that while there's, there's never an excuse for sin, sometimes there are reasons for it. The reasons don't qualify us. They don't make us not guilty before God. But here's the point. A lot of times when we're hurt, when we're done wrong, when we're in pain, when we're angry, when we don't know what to do, when we feel helpless, when we feel hopeless, we make sinful decisions based upon the pain and hurt that we've been through. You'll find, if you'll be honest with yourself, that when you're angry and when you're hurt, you tend to allow yourself more freedom to sin in your thinking and in your attitude and the way you treat people. Does it make it right? Of course not. Am I justifying it? Of course not. I'm simply making the point that our enemy knows how to set a trap for us. And this woman was caught in a trap. And every one of us are vulnerable to traps at times. It wasn't just the woman. I want to submit to you these men were caught in a trap as well. And I'll acknowledge the Bible doesn't tell us a lot of this, but I know this about human nature. When there's a mob involved, a lot of the people that are part of that mob are thinking to themselves, we've crossed the line here. We shouldn't be doing this but they're afraid to speak up. Like, how did this group of guys ever get together in the first place? Again, the Bible doesn't tell us, and so some of this is like me trying to figure it out, but there was a plan, obviously. There was a time when they had a meeting, and the entire process was laid out. Here's what we're going to do. Here's the woman we're going to choose. Here's who we're going to trap up, and then we're going to do this, and we're going to do it on Sabbath. We're going to do it when Jesus is at the synagogue. This is the place, this is the plan, this is how. They had to have this discussion. And I can't help but imagine, like, all the people that were part of it, when they were originally called to the meeting, they didn't know what the meeting was going to be about. It was just their religious leaders calling for a talk. And they were invited. And in come a bunch of us, and all of a sudden, the talk turns really dark. And there's thoughts like, whoa, 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 hold on a second. We're going to do that to her? Like, does not anybody see what's wrong with us? This is not right. But we see the story. Nobody eventually stood up and said that. And before you know it, they're all, they're all just going along with it. To one degree or another, it might not be to set up a woman like this and call for her death, but to one degree or another, all of us at times have been fallen to peer pressure, being part of a group. Sometimes it's work-related. Sometimes it's family-related. Sometimes it's friend-related. But all of us at times, here's what I want us to see this morning. We're all vulnerable to getting caught up in traps. There's not a person under the sound of my voice, and that includes me, that is not vulnerable at times to falling into traps 
And you're going to find there's a lot of different traps the enemy sets for us. The Bible says the enemy, he's come but to steal, kill, and destroy. That's all he's out to do. He wants to steal. He wants to kill. He wants to destroy. A lot of times he'll set some easy bait, just like temptation to sin. Just take the sin and do it and get your instant self-gratification. And all of us at times are vulnerable to the temptation of sin. But listen to me. Here's what you're going to find out as a Christian. When you wise up, and you realize that these subtle, they're not even subtle all the time, just these temptations to give in to sin. You realize that sin destroys you. You realize that it separates you from God. You realize that it weakens your spiritual walk. And you wise up and you're like, you know what, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not going to commit that same old sin over and over again. I recognize it for what it is. And you make up your mind and you make up your heart. Well, I'm done just giving in to sin. Here's what you're going to find. The devil doesn't just give up there. He'll set another trap. Okay, so you're not going to give in to sin like that? Well, let's give in to what we'll call half-hearted religion. This sense of feeling like, you know what, at least I sort of, you know, I believe in God. I've got some kind of relationship with Him. And now I'm just going to kind of live with one foot in and one foot out. And, And we give in to that temptation of feeling like somehow... That's okay. Sometimes it's success. Sometimes it's like the temptation of of chasing earthly success, which in and of itself is not a sin, but before we know it, we don't have any time for God anymore. We don't have time for the word. We don't have time for church. We don't have time to pray. The point I'm trying to make is we are all vulnerable to traps, and we have got to guard our heart against that. We have to be conscious of that. The Bible tells us that we should not be ignorant of the devil's schemes. He's a schemer. You know what that means? He doesn't always show up, and I would say he almost never shows up, with horns breathing fire out of his mouth to destroy your life. It's subtle. It's a trap. And one of the things I see in our text is that all of us are vulnerable to traps. Number two, you know what else I see? We are all vulnerable to justifying our own sins. First of all, the woman. The Bible doesn't tell us what she was thinking, doesn't tell us the motive of of her heart, and so I'm not going to say what she was thinking or the motive of her heart, but here's what I'll tell you. The Bible does say this, that the way of every man is right in his own eyes. That's what it says. The way of every man is right in his own eyes. One way of saying that is we justify our wrong actions, we justify our sins, and we are all vulnerable to it. Who knows what she was thinking? Could have been, this is who I am. My life will never amount to anything. It doesn't matter. Could have been, this happened to me. This has happened to me, and so I have the right to do this to someone else. Who knows what she was thinking? But especially these men who showed up with stones. It's incredibly obvious, utterly obvious, utterly undeniable. They knew what they were doing was wrong. From the time they got together, 
They knew what they were doing was wrong. And yet, somehow, with brazen boldness, they go through with the action and do this thing. How can this be? The answer is, we are all vulnerable to justifying our sins. We'll justify anger, bitterness, unforgiveness, actions that we take, often actions that we don't take. A lot of times I'll call it sins of commission. So these are sins that we commit, things that we do that we know we shouldn't do. God has said not, and we've done it anyways. Sometimes it's physical action, sometimes it's bad attitudes, sometimes it's just the way we treat people. But we know God has said, don't do this, and we commit the sin. You will find we are all vulnerable to justifying those sins. And then there are sins of omission. This is when we don't do the things that we should. You know, the Bible says that to him who knows to do good and does it not... To him, it is sin. And yet, you will find, and I think especially this, even more often, the second category of sins, we, are, we justify. A lot of times we want to live our lives on the scale, like, well, I do this and this and this and this. It's okay for me to not do these other things that I know I should be doing. And we just start to justify ourselves. The Bible says to love our enemies to do good to those who persecute us. You'll find that it's difficult to truly love your enemies. It takes the help of the Holy Spirit. You'll find it's difficult to do good to those who have wronged you. It takes the help of the Holy Spirit. And if you're like me and the rest of the world, you will find that if you're not careful, you're very vulnerable to justifying your own sins. I asked the question this morning, what are the sins in your life that you're justifying? What are you doing and you know the Holy Spirit has dealt with your heart about it. You know it's not right, but on the other, you know, that flesh nature, that flesh side, it's like, no, it is right. I have the right to feel this way, the right to act this way, the right to be this way. And we justify our sins. We as Christians, that's what I'm preaching to this morning, is mainly Christians, brothers and sisters, we are all vulnerable. Vulnerable to being trapped, vulnerable to, to uh, justifying our sins. And thirdly, this morning, I want you to see that we are all vulnerable to fighting against God. You know, ultimately, that's what was happening here. They were fighting against God. They were fighting against the word of God. Why? Why were they fighting against God? Why do we at times find ourselves vulnerable of fighting against God? The answer is quite simple. We don't like what he says. It really is that simple. They didn't like what Jesus was teaching. They didn't like what he was saying. And so they were fighting against him. And here's what you're going to find, brothers and sisters. May the Holy Spirit help us to be honest with ourselves this morning. We are all vulnerable. You know what it looks like in my life? 
I get tired sometimes. I get exhausted. Sometimes I get tired of uh, problems. Sometimes I get tired of the workload. And before I know it, my heart doesn't have the right attitude towards people, towards problems, towards needs. Sometimes I get hurt or I get wounded. And the Holy Spirit is dealing with me. Like Joplin, we don't think that way. We don't treat people that way. But the flesh side of me is like, well, you don't know what they said. You don't know how much time and effort I've put in that was unappreciated, and I have the right to feel this way. I have the right to have a bad attitude. I have the right to be this way. And here's here's what I'm wanting you to see this morning. You know who I'm really fighting against? I'm fighting against God. I'm fighting against his commands to love people the way he loves people, to truly love my enemies, to do good to those who persecute me. We don't want to accept that. We, we, we at times, we want to kind of be self-righteous Christians who feel like we never fight against the word of God. You will find the word of God at times is contrary to you. And you will find that none of us like to be disciplined. I taught on this Wednesday night at church. Nobody likes to be disciplined. It's uncomfortable. But the father disciplines the sons and daughters whom he loves. And it's not always easy. The word of God is not always easy. Sometimes it's like it is a, it is a prick to the heart. In fact, look what Hebrews 4.12 tells us about the word of God. The word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the vision of the soul and of the spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. This is one of the reasons we fight against the word of God sometimes is because it seems to have this ability to just penetrate through all of the garbage and the excuses that we make and just like penetrate the heart and cut it like a two-edged sword. And when we're angry and we're hurt and we want to justify our sins and we've been caught in a trap, we find ourselves in a position where we are vulnerable to fighting against the very God who has come to set us free. And I want us to like pivot there this morning. I want us to look like, so what happens when we get there? What happens when we're trapped? What happens when we're justifying our own sins? What happens when we're fighting against God? You know what you're gonna find? Generally, one of the first things that happens is we pick up stones to throw them at each other. That's like man's natural response. I'm going to pick up stones and I'm going to throw them at someone else. I'm going to point out somebody else's sin. And, I'm, and, and even if the sin is correct, I mean, they were right. What she did is what she did. And our instinct is we're going to hurt other people. That's what we're going to do. And we're going to point out everyone else's error. And we're going to point out everybody else's sin. And we're going to get angrier. And we're going to get mad about it. And we're just going to pick up stones. And you, you name it. Show me a person. I can tell you what's wrong with them. And what's wild about it is that somehow we end up with this uh, sense of self-righteousness based upon other people's sinfulness. How weird is that? It's crazy. It's wicked. It is weird. 
That's what our quick instinct is when we find ourselves trapped, justifying our sins, and arguing with the Word of God in our life. We're just going to pick up some stones and start throwing them at everybody else. So what was Jesus' response? You know, before I tell you his response, I want you to consider something. This is the only time in Jesus' entire ministry when every single person in the room left in response to what he said correctly. So, yes, obviously some of these guys here got away and were like, you know what, we've got to come up with a better plan, and they were part of the group that crucified Jesus. But in this moment, in this time, what Jesus did was so strong, so powerful, every single person, even the wicked guys who showed up with stones, they leave in repentance. So what was God's answer to this whole, let's find somebody caught in sin, let's trap Jesus, let's, let's do all of this? What was his answer to that? Two things. Number one, look at yourself. That was his first answer. He that is without sin. It's so easy to get angry at everybody else when we look at everyone else's sin. But you'll find if you'll stop and quit looking at everybody else, and quit looking at everything that you think is done wrong and everything that you think needs change and everything that, just stop it and look at yourself. Here's what you're gonna find. You're gonna find that we are all the same. All of us. There is none that is righteous, only Jesus. There is none that is sinless, only Jesus. And as sinners, we can only be righteous through the blood of Jesus. It's not through our actions. It's not through being, you know, through, through doing things that somehow outweigh all the bad we've done. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And no matter who you look at, no matter who you're holding stones in your hands this morning to throw at, when you stop and you look at yourself and you get honest about who you are, you will see the truth that you are just like they are, a person who needs the forgiveness of God in your life, a person who needs the goodness of God in your life, a person who has nothing to do but fall at the mercy of God and plead for forgiveness. We're all the same. I have no business throwing stones. You have no business throwing stones. But this is what the enemy wants us to do. Demolish each other. Throw stones at each other. Hurt each other. Jesus says, look at yourself. And then ultimately what follows is, the second, drop the stones. It's time to drop them. Drop the stones. You know, I'm not talking about Christian accountability. I'm talking about trying to be hurtful. These guys that showed up with stones, they weren't trying to hold anybody accountable. They were trying to hurt. They were trying to wound. And we know our hearts. We know the difference. True Christian accountability is about trying to help one another. 
It's about trying to keep your brother or your sister from causing any more harm to themselves or anybody else. It's out of love. That's what true Christian accountability is. That's an entirely different animal than holding stones that are actually meant to hurt simply because somebody's done something wrong. We want to hurt them and we want to shame them and we want to do it publicly and we want the world to know. Jesus says, hey, hold on a second, man. Hold on a second, daughter. Hold on a second, son. Look at yourself. Who are you to be holding stones? Did you not remember like your worst day? Do you not remember how bad you needed forgiveness? Have you forgotten the extent to which I had to go to forgive you? Drop the stones. You know, in this culture that we live in right now, this culture of identity politics, <sighs> brothers and sisters, we're not going to change the world. It's going to wax worse. But we need, as I've already said, we need to not be ignorant of the devil's schemes. We are living in a time of identity Politics. In other words, it's all about emotions. Doesn't matter what's true. It's all about demonizing people and picking up stones and throwing them. And here's what you'll find the culture that we live in is quick to do it. We don't even really need to know the truth. Give us somebody to demonize. Give us somebody to throw stones at. Who's the next villain? Who's the next villain? Who's the villain tomorrow? And I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, if we're not careful, this creeps into our very Christianity. And as Christians, we have become quick to pick up stones and find fault. We need to drop them. This morning as I close, what I want to do is like come at it from this perspective of look at the compassion that Jesus gave this woman. All of the people leave. Jesus rises up. He says, as no one condemned you. And he says, neither do I. You know, nobody there other than Jesus, but none of those men there, none of the people there, none of the people at church, none of them had the right to condemn her. They were all the same in one way or another. But Jesus, who was perfect, sinless, completely righteous, totally holy, he says, neither do I condemn you. This morning, if you find yourself Somewhere in this story, maybe you're like, to a degree, you're like the woman. And like you're caught, you're trapped, and you know it. You don't have an excuse, you don't have a reason. Like you're guilty, you're guilty before your accusers, you're guilty before God. Hear me this morning. Jesus did not come to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Jesus' answer is not that all of us pick up stones and shame you. Jesus' answer is forgiveness. His answer is redemption. You know, I look at this woman and it had to feel like she was at the absolute end of a rope. She didn't know what was going to happen. 
What she could see was that there was anger and hatred and dare I say murder in the eyes of these guys who had caught her and were dragging her to the synagogue. And she had to at the very least wonder, is this the last day of my life? Is this how it ends for me? Caught in the act of adultery. No chance to make things right. No chance to go to the people I've hurt. No chance to, this is where it ends for me. She had to feel like it was the absolute worst moment of her life. Maybe that's you this morning. I pray the Holy Spirit will open the ears of your heart to hear me when I say it is never too late at the feet of Jesus. Jesus always has an answer if we're willing to hear it. It's never too late. Maybe you find yourself in the story of the mob. Maybe you're one of the insiders. Maybe you're somebody that just got pulled into it and you've got friends that have been causing you and pressuring you and peer pressuring you into doing things and making decisions you shouldn't be doing. Maybe the word of God resonated with you this morning when I talked about he that knows to do good but does it not to him it is sin. For all of us, here's the answer. There is forgiveness in Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask our worship team to come if you guys would come this morning. There is power in coming to Jesus. You know, the final thing that Jesus said to this woman was the simple statement go and sin no more. Jesus said this frequently to people that he healed, people that he set free. It's an important principle that we need to grab a hold of in the church. Jesus didn't say to her a word, not a word, about what happened. That's what I love about Jesus. Not a word about all of her past actions. He didn't shame her for two solid minutes and then let her know that he's good and he's going to forgive her though this time. He basically says this, it starts now. It starts now. I do not condemn you. You are forgiven as far as the east is from the west into the sea of forgetfulness. That's what we're going to cast this. It's done. We're not going to talk about it again. It is in your past. It is done. It is finished now. Here's the response. I, I do have one thing that I ask, and that is from here, go and sin no more. Don't get back on that path. Don't live that life. Don't, don't keep doing the same old things. You know, you know what you need to turn from. You know what needs to change in your life. Now, go and sin no more.